Our scripture this morning is from John 4, found on page 1651 in our Pew Bibles. Starting at chapter, at verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He said, he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you know now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on his, this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that... Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Thank you, Darren. Our text is from 1 Peter 4, where Peter reminds the believers in verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And that encouragement for us today. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we looked just earlier in the service at Exodus 3, the longest conversation recorded in the Old Testament between God and a human being. Do you know the longest conversation in the New Testament 
What is the longest conversation in the New Testament? And it's found in the Gospels, not in the letters. It's found in the Gospels, and it's between Jesus and, you might think, his disciples, talking to his disciples, explaining things to his disciples, or maybe Jesus arguing with the Pharisees, talking back and forth. This, John 4, is the longest conversation recorded in the New Testament. The back and forth between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It goes this and that and this and that and this and that. This is the longest conversation. Jesus is entering into conversation with a guest, with someone that, that, yeah, doesn't know the faith that he is interested in engaging and speaking to about things of faith. And so it's a good example of the ABCs of hospitality. This morning we are focusing on a conversation and then D, actually developing friendships, but mainly conversation as we think about being hospitable, being a church that is truly a place of hospitality. Now, the second thing I want just to point out to you as we begin, did you ever consider that the word hospitality itself contains the root hospital? Hospital. So hospital, hospitality. Now, that seems for us a bit of a disconnect, but really the, very helpful, I think. It is, it is true that the original connection is from mid, mid, medieval times when the Latin word hospital is guest and that, that to, to be a hospital wasn't our medical system, but it was simply to be welcoming of guests. And so if you, were, if you were a hospital, a hospital welcomed people who were on pilgrimage or, or people who, who were needing of a place and some care. And so this was a hospital. And that developed then into our sense of hospital, but that was the original just to welcome a guest. And then the English word to host is also from hospital, to be a host, to host a guest. And that developed into hospitality. Now, I do want to just take that, that to our understanding. How do you view the church? Is the church kind of a social club that we just gather and, and, and we kind of have social things together? Is, is the church a, a place of entertainment where, yeah, we, we want to just be uh, entertained, music and things. Is it, is it like um, a school where we're just a teaching? And so, yeah, we need just to be taught and that's, that's what a church is. It's, it's really just a teaching. Or, or is it like a store where, where you go and, and you pick what you like and, and you go to a store that you like and, and then you, you take what you like? What is it exactly? And if we see the church as a hospital, that's a helpful way, even, even to take the, as a bit of a disconnect with hospitality, but still, if we see the church as a hospital, ministering to those who are sick in sin, people who are wounded in spirit, hurting, 
the church brings the gospel message of healing for struggling souls. That's a very nice understanding, a true biblical understanding of what it means to be church. So as a hospital, even thinking about our hospitals here, if you are in need and you go to a hospital, you get help. They will bring you into immersion. They will talk to you and they will engage in conversation. What's the problem? How are you feeling? What can we do? And, and, and the whole picture is of tremendous care and concern. A hospital does not turn anyone away. They are ready to help. And Jesus calls himself the great physician. So there is, I, I think, a helpful picture, too. If we see ourselves as, as, as that way, if people come even as guests, even more generally, that we would want to engage them and get to know and help and be supportive and encouraging. We want to work this out initially, our hospitality, to do that well as a church. And so we plan, as you see in the bulletin, to have a family ready every Sunday to welcome guests, to show them hospitality, to host them, to be the host in that sense. Now, that's a big task, and so we want to work at it together. We want to take turns. We want to have each time a different family ready to do that. So every week, we're going to have a welcome home family prepared to receive guests. That's, that's kind of the working out of this vision. And in order to, just to have the church be that welcoming place, we need to take hospitality seriously. So this morning, again, we want to encourage each other. We want to be part of this welcoming ministry. Last week, we began with the ABCs, uh, looking at the awareness of guests, that, that we would be on the lookout for those who are guests among us, and that we would also just, just take notice and it's interesting, I, I talk to people sometimes too after a service or later in the week and I ask them too, did you see we had somebody with us? And they say, oh no, I had no idea there was a guest among us. And that's, that's just a, a lack of awareness that, that you, yeah, we're just here and we know the people we know and, and not really aware. So to look to be aware, first of all, and then to be boldly to go forward and talk to them, to be, be intentional, just like Jesus was very intentional in John 4 when, when he had to go to Galilee, but, but he went through Samaria, as we saw last week. He didn't avoid. He went and he spoke to the woman there, and that is also our desire, just to go ahead, just to speak to people who are visiting among us. The two things we're going to look at this morning, C and D. C is for conversation, engaging the person, talking to them, simply getting acquainted. And, and, and the context here is really just, just in a very polite way. And you have to realize in the text how polite Jesus is and how polite the response is. Just a, a polite inquiry. Who are you? Uh, what brings you here? Uh, maybe ask about work and family. Just show interest in the other person. Jesus does this with a Samaritan woman. Just very polite. He's there, uh, obviously, initially needing something to drink, so it's, it's just a very polite and obvious thing that he would ask her for a drink. Uh, at our church, too, that after the service, you would make sure that 
guests would have coffee or tea or have something to drink. Just basic politeness. That's really uh, a basic interaction. Then in verse 16, he asks her uh, to call her husband. Now, you need to understand that culturally, uh, a woman in that culture wasn't really allowed to speak to another man without her husband present. Another man could speak to her, but her husband needed to be present. And so that is the understanding behind the question even as Jesus, Jesus isn't really trying to get at any kind of huge underlying thing. He simply wants to speak to this woman. He wants to engage her and, and, and be hospitable to her. And, and so he asks that her husband be present. Then everything is okay. Then she feels safe. It's almost like having our safe church policy that everything should be safe. People should feel safe when they put their kids in the nursery. They should feel those kids are safe. Everything should be just polite, good, above board, clear, safe. You are welcome here. You are safe here. We care about you here. That's, that's what Jesus is about, a caring, polite concern, speaking in a way that is polite and attentive and helpful. And her response in verse 17, I have no husband. And, and Jesus responds to her again, that's quite true. And, and so it, it's as if too, this morning I was just going around and, and, and speaking to people again, and hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. That's just polite, right? And you don't go into all kinds of details of, of the struggles you have and the struggles they have. No, it's just very polite, very in, just recognizing, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Just That's really just the level of conversation here initially. Just making people feel welcome, engage them in casual conversation. One thing I'd like to note in relation to this account, John 4, um, what's this woman's name? Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman, right? Do we, do we know anywhere else her name? Never. We never find her name. She is generally... Just that, and our understanding on the one level would be too. She is just someone Jesus is engaging as a guest. So if you approach a guest too, you don't know their name. And so this, in a sense, could be too. Oh, this is anyone we would meet, anyone Jesus would meet. Of course, you wouldn't know their name right away. And so you can still talk to them. We should be ready to talk to anyone. But it's interesting, in the Eastern Orthodox tradition of the church, they have given her a name. They have named her. And based on a little later, we didn't read, but her response to Jesus when, when she goes uh, and, and she tells all the people in the village, she runs back and she tells them, and, and, and they call her Fotini, light. She is, she is just a, a beacon of light, Fotini. That's her name. They give her a name. It's honoring to give her a name. And so in that tradition, they do. When you and I engage people in conversation, get their name. Just very basic, helpful point. 
get their name. Her name is not mentioned here. For us to be hospitable, get their name. Now you're thinking too, boy, even when I'm calling my kids, I'm not sure. I'm with our guys too. David, Stephen, oh, Paul. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Who is this one anyway, right? We are not good with names. I admit it. But you got, you got to work at it. And so, so if someone comes to, and, and I say to them too, oh, welcome, uh, my name is Pastor Mike, and they say, oh, I'm William. Then what do you do? Right away you say, oh, oh, wow, good morning, William, good to see you. And then you use the name again. Hey, William, how's it going? And you talk about, oh, William, would you like a coffee? And after a while, it gets in your brain a little bit. Use the name. They'll say the name, but then if you don't say it back, but just a, a little hint in terms of, of okay, what, what is your name? Try to remember. What I do after I talk to people is I write it down. When I write it down, that's very helpful for me. Then I have a better than 50% chance of remembering it. Write it down. And you'll notice sometimes as guests are in the fellowship hall, they will talk to you, and I've, I've encountered this later, that they talk to you and they have a nice conversation with you, but they've forgotten your name, and they'll go to the wall, and they'll look around, and they'll just take a quick look. They say, oh, oh, this is who I talked to. Now just get your name for a minute. That, that sense of, of just very basic appreciation, seeing who this person is, calling them by name. So next Sunday... They come back and you say, hey, William, good to see you. How's it going? And then you might even say, uh, I'm Mike. You might just help them along. Help them remember. It's good to come to know each other by name, to engage in that way. Just basic hospitality, awareness, boldness, conversation. That's the longest conversation in the New Testament Jesus is speaking and, and trying to engage this person. Now, I want you to notice what happens. The conversation at some point, sooner or later, goes a little deeper. It mentions here the details of her life. Now here, of course, Jesus is God and he knows. He knows every detail about her, and so we don't. If we find someone, meet someone, we don't know a thing about him. Now there's initially something though that we can assume that Jesus actually assumes out of this story, out of this account. The woman comes to the well, uh, it says at, at noon. And so uh, the woman is obviously has some struggle. She doesn't have, uh, she's not part of the group of ladies who normally come to get water morning and evening. She has some struggles. There's some, some things about her that she comes by herself at noon. That's not the normal time. It's, there's something going on in her life. When people come into our church on a Sunday who never normally come here, it could be just generally, but, but, there is things that they need the Lord, they wonder about, they are struggling with. And so when, when guests come, we can have a sense too, they are, they are reflecting on too what, what, their place, uh, what their place is in God's plan and, and different things. So to be sensitive to that, often people who find their way to church have struggles in their lives. When, 
when they come in the church and they encounter a sincere person who is truly interested in them and say, hi, how are you? Nice you're here. Who are you? Just a, a little bit of here conversation. That, that warms their hearts. And, and what happens is when they encounter that person, they often open up a little bit, even quite a bit. And so, so often a simple, polite conversation turns within minutes into some real struggles in their lives. And so this woman has had five husbands. Five is a lot. Maybe one died. Maybe she was divorced in another situation. Maybe there was a separation. At this point, she is not married it's as if she has stepped back from marriage she doesn't want that that official institution anymore and and so jesus jesus engages her at that point she has given up on conventional marriage and we have people like that who come through our door they they may have been divorced they have been in relationships that have failed and and here they are there's a lot of divorce, there's a lot of separation, there's a lot of hurt and pain in people's lives in our culture right now. There's a lot of people who don't want to get married at all. It's, it's just nothing. It, it, it's, it, it, they cannot grasp it or, or don't want to enter into it. So this, this woman has had a troubled life. There's guilt, there's shame. So people who we meet will also have struggles to a greater or lesser degree. And when they encounter People in the church, in even in casual conversation, maybe the first time, maybe the second, the third time that you speak to them, they feel they can talk to you about some things. That's just a normal development to, to the D, C and D. Conversation develops the D into, into a level of friendship, a level of trust, a level of appreciation. And so... So I have found it on occasion too where you talk to someone and you just get to know them and, and boy, oh boy, fairly quick, you're hearing things about their life that, that, yeah, okay, no problem, but they are willing to open up. They are. And you can listen and you can, you can engage them and you can, you can start just to, to minister to them. At this point, at this point, if they begin to share a few things about the struggles they have, what do you do? You share a bit about your own life and your own struggles. And it's very interesting because people who come without a real church or faith background, people who are new to the church, feel everyone here, everyone, everyone here, no struggles. We have no struggles. See? And honestly, that's how they come. They come and they talk with a sense of, oh, I have struggles, but you don't. So if you say, now not like you have to unburden your whole life and every struggle you've ever had, but that you say, oh, I have struggles too. I have struggles too. Often that engages. 
People, people who come to church think by coming to church that they can find help for their struggles, sure. And, and then sometimes that they will have no more struggles, but that's the health, health and wealth gospel, the false gospel. That's, that's where everybody pretends to have no problems and, and that, that, yeah, somehow you will have absolutely no problems if you are a Christian. Go ahead. Share that you have struggles. This is the hospital side of hospitality. This is where we say together, welcome, join us. The church is a hospital. We are all struggling along. We all have hurts and sorrows. And in a deepening relationship, you can share that we are all walking, all the walking wounded in a world of sin. And then you mention a name. You remember their name. You mention your name. And then you can add Jesus. Jesus came to save us in our struggles. There's the most important name you need to remember to forgive us, to help us, to strengthen us. So you can bring in the name of Jesus, the great physician, Psalm 23, who restores my soul. In the conversation, at an appropriate moment, at an appropriate time, the Holy Spirit will nudge you to tell them the gospel. That Jesus himself endured suffering, struggles, pain, even death, for you, for me. The Heidelberg Catechism says Jesus suffered all through his life. He didn't have an easy life. They go, oh, Jesus had an easy life. No. He suffered, it says, in question and answer 37, all through his life, and especially in his death on the cross. But in his death on the cross, he removed the curse of sin and the hopelessness of suffering. And he brought hope in a dying and dead world. And he offers that hope to all who believe, the life-giving spring of water that he is offering here to the Samaritan woman. That's the hope and peace that we can share. Jesus as Savior of the world and our Savior. And that's how Jesus introduces himself in John 4, verse 26, as the woman says, I need that, I need that Messiah, that he's coming, that he will explain everything, that, that somehow I will finally understand. In John 4, verse 26, is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus actually says, I'm that guy. Everywhere else, he, he does say, I'm the bread of life, I, I am the light of the world. I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But only here in John 4, verse 26, does Jesus say, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the Savior promised of all. I am the one. Believe in me. And so we can share that with people. Who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior? Who can help you? Who has helped me? Jesus. He is my health and help and strength. So the conversation 
is where it begins. Very polite, very engaging. Simply be yourself. You are nice folks. You are fun to talk to. If people come and talk to you, you can talk to them, and it'll be good. And as you do, you can mention to your name, their name, and as the relationship grows, the name of Jesus, our hope and our comfort. We confess again this morning, the church is a hospital. We want to show hospitality. We want to be aware of people. We want to be bold in speaking to them. We want to engage them in polite conversation and share the hope of the gospel that is our hope again today. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you, and we thank you that you have a conversation with each of us again this morning, and that you want to be our friend, and you want us to befriend those you send into our church, those around us in our fellowship, also those even beyond in our neighborhood, in this community, Lord. We pray you give us that heart of hospitality that leads to building a sincere friendships. Use us to speak into people's lives the truth of you, Lord Jesus, as Savior. May people respond in glad hope to the gospel, just like the Samaritan woman did. And Lord Jesus, may you build your kingdom here. And may we truly show that all are welcome here. Amen.